You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 227 of Podcateers. This week, our buddy Jason, who is a glass blower at the Oribus Bros at Walt Disney World slash Disney Springs and runs a clothing company called Inspired on Ming with his daughter, joins us again to talk about some of the things that he's been up to, the rumor that James Gunn is jumping to D.C., plus we discuss an article about Bob Iger in Time magazine, and Gavin tells us about his adventure trying to get the first edition Hatbox Ghost Tiki Cups from Trader Sam's Disneyland Edition. Spoiler alert, he got them, and we're auctioning one of them off for charity. As you may already know, we've been trying to raise money in support of the fight against women's cancers. If you've been considering ordering one from eBay, please consider purchasing this one because 100% of the money that we make from this cup will go towards our Team Boat Willie fundraiser for City of Hope's Walk for Hope event to help eliminate women's cancers. More information about when the auction will take place can be found on our Instagram account. Just search for Podcateers. That's P-O-D. K-E-T-E-E-R-S. This auction will start a little bit higher than our other auctions, but remember, all the money goes to charity. If you decide that you don't want to bid on the cup, but you just want to make a donation to help us out, head on over to teamboatwilly.com for more information. There you will find a link to donate to our team or to any of us individually. So again, teamboatwilly.com is where you will find that information. Super easy to remember. It's like Steamboat Willy, but without the S at the beginning. If you're considering making a donation or you've made a donation, thank you so much. We truly appreciate your support. If you want to find us on any of the other social networks, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Just search for Podcateers. You'll also find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash podcateers and youtube.com slash Disney for two. Make sure to head over, hit that subscribe button and ring that bell icon for notifications when new videos are posted. Also, if you feel like you just need a little bit more Gavin in your life this week, he co-hosted this week's episode of The Animation Station with our pal Josh Shoutout. And they talk about Leica's 2014 film, The Box Trolls. Information on how to get to that site will be available in the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com slash 227, or you can go to animationstationpodcast.com. As always, I want to take a quick moment to thank our fairy godparents, or as they like to call themselves, the FGP Squad, because it's their monthly support via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. If you would like to become a member of the FGP Squad or just want a little bit more info, head on over to podcateers.com FGP. Also, if you shop on Amazon, a great way to help out the podcast is before you make your next purchase, start that journey by going over to podcateers.com Amazon. On that page, you're going to find a huge Amazon button that when you click it, will take you to Amazon using our special link. Everything that you buy is going to cost you the exact same thing, but as a thank you for mentioning them on the podcast, Amazon will give us a small commission because you went through our link. And to everyone that's taking the time and doing the extra clickety-clackety to get to Amazon using the button at pocketeers.com Amazon, we just want to send out a huge thank you to all of you as well. More information and links on things that we talk about in this episode, again, can be found over at podcateers.com slash 227. And just like that, it's time to jump into this episode. Here is episode 227 of Podcateers.
that's when all freak out became a thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dude, what yeah. what time is it in Florida right now? Uh, it's officially a. Uh, uh, let me see. It's almost. It's almost time for my uh, coach to turn back into a pumpkin again. Oh man, you are minutes <laughs> away got, from that. I've got two minutes, so yeah. Sweet. Wow. Well, well, good thing you're already home. Yeah, I just did uh, 12 hours on stage, melting glass all day with the, the madness at Disney Springs, and uh, drove through crazy traffic through downtown Orlando, which is under construction. It's like the never-ending highway from hell. <laughs> Almost gotten two fender benders, and then uh, so here I am. I immediately got home, let my dog out so she can pee, got a beer, and set up in my bedroom. Sweet. Well, I'm glad that you were not in a fender bender. Yeah, me too. God, it was, it was close. <laughs> we advocate family-friendly fun here. And Family Friendly Fun advocates that you drive safely, sir. Yes. It's those around me I worry about. Because it's just like I'm the only local. All the other thousands of people right. have no idea tourists. where they're going. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That's true. I, I, live, I live just minutes from the Disneyland Resort now. And anytime we're driving a ride around the resort, you can tell that it's a huge population of tourists right there. Because they don't know what turn lane to be in, anything. It's crazy. It's, it is. I know. I have like my my little quickie in and outs and stuff just mm-hmm. to get the hell out of the complex of the parking garage. Right. It's just it's crazy. It's scary. <laughs> Easy, man. Nice. Well, I guess we should formally introduce our special guest host for this episode. He has been on before, but we want to welcome back to the show our good buddy, Jason, who, if you guys got a chance to listen to the episode that he was last on, he talked a little bit about being a glassblower at Walt Disney World, at the Aribus Brothers, doing some stuff at Disney Springs. And, I mean, he's just a hardcore Disney nerd. And we had the opportunity to have him on again today. Jason, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. All my uh, harassing and texting and messaging finally <laughs> got me back on the show. <laughs> so thank you. It worked. It worked. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? It worked out really well for us, too, because we've been juggling around different schedules, and it just happened to work out today because uh, VJ's out celebrating his birthday. So happy birthday, VJ. What up? Yeah, what up? yeah. Melissa is out celebrating the Dodgers going to the World Series. <laughs> and so Gavin and I were sitting here. We had talked about it and thought, well, I mean, who can, who can we call and get on the, the horn with us? And we just happened to be having a conversation about the the popcorn bucket that you donated to our yeah, yeah. auction for Team Boat Willie, which I want to talk a little bit more about uh, in a second. But then it was uh, a prime opportunity to have you back on and just kind of disnerd out about stuff. So I'm happy to have you back on, man. Yeah, thank you. And there's a lot going on right now on like the whole Disney news spectrum of things. Yeah, on definitely. Both Certainly. Uh, so, again, I just want to say thank you now to you while you're on the podcast for providing us with the popcorn bucket that we auctioned off for Team But Willie. If you guys don't know, we are auctioning off items uh, in support of women's cancers because we're going to be walking in City of Hope's Walk for Hope event on November 4th. And if you guys want to join us, you can join the team. And if you can't actually make it there that morning, you also have the option of signing up, helping us raise some money. It's all going to a great cause to eradicate cancer because cancer sucks. 
and we don't want mm -hmm. it around anymore. And so these auctions are to benefit those efforts. If you guys want more information, head on over to teamboatwilly.com. You'll find a link there to sign up for the team, make a donation. You can make a donation straight to me, to Gavin, to Melissa. Uh, it's all there. So check it out. Uh, hope you guys can join us or help us raise some money. And we have a very special auction coming up, which we will talk about later in the episode. So stay tuned for that. But before uh, we get into that, Gavin, do you want to tell us a little bit about the adventure that you went on? Whew, sure. Uh, let's let's get to it. Uh, we mentioned it in the last episode uh, that I that I was going to be going down to uh, the Disneyland Resort to acquire the uh, Hatbox Ghost Tiki Mug that was a limited edition release for the Disneyland Resort. Uh, kind of mirrored the one that happened a week earlier at Disney World um, with a slight variation in the mug. So the Disney World version had the Hatbox Ghost, but the head was in the Hatbox. And the Disneyland version has the head on the shoulders and the empty Hatbox. So a slight variation, which I thought was really cool that they gave each resort a uniqueness to it. Uh, so anyway, the uh, the buck or the mug was to be released at 7 a.m. at Trader Sam's at the Disneyland Hotel. So I got up early that day and uh, got a lift ride down to the resort because it was going to be too early for me to park in the parking garage. So I arrived at about 6 a.m. and I kind of felt like. You know, there's probably going to be a lot of people, but, you know, I'll probably get out of here at about 8 a.m. or so, maybe 9 if it's really crazy. And uh, boy, was I wrong. Boy, was <laughs> I wrong. Uh, so I'm going to give you a little rundown of my adventure. So like I said, I arrived at 6 a.m. I've got a little timeline here. I'm going to run down for you. <laughs> at at 6.03, it took me three minutes to walk from where I was dropped off to the end of the line. Um, and that's when I texted the group, the whole podcast team. I was like, okay, guys, there's a lot of people here. And I snapped a picture and I showed it to them. And they're like, what? So at that point we knew, all right, it's going to, it might take a little longer than originally expected. So at that point, what I didn't realize is that they were actually in the process of rerouting our lines. So in that process, I actually got to walk by the rest of the line. So I really got a good estimate of, of how many people were already in the line. And oh, this is man. already this is already an hour early. So these people had to have started lining up at like 3 a.m. or something like that. Which so, Disney fans are not known to do ever. Right. We're not crazy. We're not That's nuts. right. We don't uh, line up early for anything. Yeah, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> right. So... If you guys are familiar with the, the Disneyland Hotel, uh, Trader Sam's kind of sits in the middle of the three towers next to the pool. And to the east of Trader Sam's is the Adventure Tower. To the north of Trader Sam's is the Fantasy Tower. And to the south is the Frontier Tower. So the line actually started at Trader Sam's and went north all the way out between the adventure and fantasy tower under the Mickey sparkling Mickey hat. And then it wrapped around the adventure tower and went all the way down the front of the property and then cut back across the front of the frontier tower and then wrapped around back towards Goofy's kitchen Whoa. and then disappeared off into the Pacific <laughs> ocean somewhere. Oh my goodness gracious. It was insane. So <laughs> 
where I landed at my spot in line when it started was all the way at the entrance of the Frontier Tower. Good. So you were like so, 20th in line then. Uh, 20,000 maybe. <laughs> uh, no, in all honesty, I, I estimated there were probably two to 3,000 people ahead of me in line. Oh, my goodness. That's so, crazy. Yeah, so that was 619. Right about, just before it got to an hour, right about 6.50, a rumor kind of swept through the line that they were going to be handing out wristbands. And so, you know, that's a little exciting because you feel like, ooh, if you get a wristband, you're kind of, you're in, you know, it looks like you get in the club, you make it. Um, And so the rumor went through. Nothing happened, just a rumor. About an hour later at 7.54, so this is just about the two-hour mark, I finally received a wristband. They finally made it to where I was in line. Uh, they told us, you know, with you know, all clarity, this is not a guarantee that you'll get a mug. It just actually was marking groups in the line with unique wristbands so that they knew that if anybody who didn't have a matching wristband with that group was out of place and would have to mm. go to the back of the line, right? Smart. Yeah. And, and nobody could jump in the line to meet people at that point. So... I don't know how they were working that. So, like, Hazen, if you had come and met me halfway, you'd have to go to the back of the line. Like, you could not join me right. and get mugs with me. So That's the they same were thing that strict. they did at D23 when we were trying to get into all of the panels last year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very similar yeah. thing to that. Exactly. Uh, so that's that was the two-hour mark. And I was thinking, man, I... I kind of thought I'd be out of here by now. Um, At that point, we had kind of snaked our way back to the very front corner of the Adventure Tower. And at that point, all of time began to slow down because... You took out the Eye of Agamotto? I guess. I have no idea. But from that point at the front corner of the Adventure Tower to get from there to the other corner of the Adventure Tower where the Mickey hat was was almost three hours. So it was just like time stood still. It was insane. Yeah. And so it was around this time that, so that was at nine o'clock. So we're at the three hour mark, right? And and it's nine o'clock. And it was about that time that the rumor started coming through that, um, uh, Oh, wait, I guess that's a little bit later. So there's another rumor that goes through. I'll I'll talk about that later. After about 45 minutes and moving about 15 feet, a really cool thing happened. And the Disneyland Hotel cast members came through with this huge cart and these giant urns of hot cocoa. And they were just handing out hot cocoa to everybody in line. Uh, For those of you in California, uh, you may remember that that morning was fairly chilly. Um, it was around 50 degrees, and so it was nice to have a little a little cocoa. I actually passed on the cocoa, though, because I, at that point, I'd been in line for three hours, and I didn't know how long be. it was going to be, and I was alone, so I didn't want to risk having to go to the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> right. totally. So, yeah. Uh, so I passed on the hot cocoa. So another... Uh, 20, 25 minutes goes by and I'm kind of regretting the cocoa. I need a little bit of a pick me up. So my buddy Hazen comes through and in our little group text, he sends me a gift that gives me a little more power. 
And it's <laughs> Bette Midler saying, did you ever know that you're my hero? <laughs> because I'm in line to get this mug for the team. And uh, that gave me the power to kind of push through. Here's the thing. I really wanted to be there that morning. But I had an I 8 a.m. meeting at work. And I was super bummed out that I wasn't going to be able to be there. And when Gavin stepped up and he's like, look. I'm going to take the hit. I'm going to go do this for you. I'm going to go get this cup for you. I, I literally, I lit up. And so when he was in line, I got out of my meeting and I'm looking at all of these updates thinking like, oh man, poor Gavin. And so I was like, I, I got to send him a, a little thank you. And so I sent him that, that image and I, I just thought it was funny. Yeah, no, it That's was good. It, it gave me a chuckle. You know, we had been we had been rolling with the group text the whole morning, so I was kind of updating them along the way. And this was just after I had told them all, hey, we're at the four-hour mark. I had no idea I'd be in line this long. So we're at four hours. Hazen sends me that power-up gift or gif, and I'm just – I'm sailing at that point. I'm like, yes, I'm not going to let this beat me. I'm good to go. About 40 minutes later at a quarter till 11 – AJ sends a text and she's asking if the rumor is true that one of the registers is down. And I never actually got confirmation, but it was around that time that we all became aware of the fact that they only had two registers ringing up these mugs for everybody. So if you can imagine a line that has several thousand people in it, everybody's buying two of these things. They're inspecting each one as they buy them. And two registers is not going to cut it. So yeah. that's the biggest reason why this took a little longer. And I guess um, I found out later that um, this was a different wing of the company that was selling these than usually does. I guess it's usually more of the merchandise people that sell these things. But this was the food and beverage people that were selling these. Mm. So they weren't experienced with this type of major release. Interesting. You know, kind of like the Funko that came out a few weeks ago. It was a totally different experience. So here we are. We're approaching the five hour mark and I'm still in line. It was right around five hours that I finally got under the Mickey hat and only had one turn left, one more corner to round before I could actually see the finish line in sight. And once we got to that point, the line did start to kind of move with a consistency, finally. And uh, it was 1128 a.m. when I finally purchased the Hatbox Ghost Tiki mug. And that was a full five and a half hours into my journey, my adventure. And if I had known going into this that I was going to be there that long, I don't know if I would have volunteered as readily <laughs> and I may be more hesitant the next time this comes around, but I did ultimately have a fun time and it was hugely gratifying to have those two mugs because after a while, after four hours, you know, you're really wondering if there's going to be enough left for you once you get yeah, up there. Right. And, uh, you know, to get there, to make it to the finish line, to get the mugs, it was hugely satisfying and everybody in the group text was you know super excited i went home and took an epic nap it was a great day i'm not gonna lie dude i cried a little bit well and and here's the thing they're fantastic mugs 
Like, I didn't really think much of them from the pictures, but when I opened it up and pulled it out of the box, it's large, it's very substantial, it's got weight, you know, it feels like something of value, huge amount of detail on it, Um, it's really a quality piece. So for $30, which was the price point, uh, I thought well worth it for a limited edition Disney souvenir, it was totally worth it. I've bought Disney souvenirs for much more than that. And, uh, yeah, quality merchandise. And I was impressed much more so than like a, you know, like a bucket or a sipper, you know, the kind of standard in park things. Right. This was, this was top tier. Something that that I've, I've been curious because I, as I, the Funko pops come out and at Disney Springs is one of the spots that they sell them. Mm -hmm. So I've been there for the experience, you know, watching the madness. And -hmm. it's interesting that a limited edition piece is so affordable. You know, most limited edition things are three or four times more cost-wise, which, again, it's limited edition, so the value is going to go up immediately once these right. things sell out. So, I don't know. I, 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 I can appreciate that Disney is doing this for the fan and for the collector mm-hmm. to offer them at this price. I mean, because they know that they could charge as much. I mean, you go to the Art of Animation or Art of Disney stores, and they have yeah. regular prints that are not limited editions that are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dollars, you know? Right. Yeah. So it's 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 cool to see this little and it's and a lot of it's almost like we're collecting toys in a yeah. sense too, you know, like these Funko Pops and something funny is last weekend they had a restock of the uh, Splash Mountain one they just put out. We oh, had yeah, yeah. That was a Red nice Fox. one too. Yeah, it was huge. It was a big piece, but everybody stood in line for like 8 hours the thing sold out and I don't think they expected them to get restocked. So I'm I'm kind of wondering right. if there I haven't looked online at all, but if there was any kind of ripples in the people get mad or something like that because they re-released this thing or they had back stock or something, you know, mm-hmm. the popcorn bucket's a great example though. Like the one, the cauldron one, mm-hmm. you know, I hear you say, I was talking about on the show about it, you know, about it yeah. being limited edition or super low stock or it sells out. That's why I got mine. When I did, I got the very last one in the entire park at the not so scary that night, like the, wow. off the rack, the guy's like, it's not very sanitary. I'm like, I don't want popcorn. I just want the bucket. <laughs> like, we were on our way to Space Mountain at like 11.58 and like closing out the park. And I'll nice. tell you what, and just a side note, Space Mountain, that's not so scary. As soon as we turned the corner to go into the first light tunnel, it was pitch black. I was in the front seat and I was giggling like I was three years old and on thing. And <laughs> laughed the entire time because you can't see your hand in front of your face. And they had like this heavy like death metal bass nice. double bass drum music playing in the center of it you know it was incredible like we had to why we went back again to close out the park that night with it but anyways the disney thing the whole collectibles thing is, is it's neat seeing it like we have the redhead coming out next uh the saturday coming up mm-hmm. a week from today from the rec- record this thing so i'm actually going to go get in line for that cool <laughs> i haven't gotten in line yet but that one i want to get just because it's such a new thing for disney it's it's kind of a controversy in terms of the fandom right. yeah you know so it's, it's 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 a unique to me it's a unique item plus she's a cute little thing you know so i'm curious you know the funko is gonna be a fun little little toy to have right yeah one of the things that i really appreciated about the tiki mugs this time around or the tiki cups since they're not really mugs uh is the fact that they actually stamped the words first edition on the bottom of the cup and that's something that disney hasn't really done before i know that in the last couple of episodes we've talked a little bit about there being a variance in the look of the actual product where you know they might change a color uh the the poison apple stein is one of the best examples right when the first one came out it was a red apple and then it had you know the the melting wax around it but the second edition was green 
So there was a mm, variance, yeah. and you knew right off the bat if you had a first or a second edition. With this right. one, it's absolutely clear. It says first edition on the bottom. It's a, cool. a beautiful piece. I saw all the photos that Gavin took that he sent to our group text. And, ah, man, I, I, I love this thing. Like I, 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 I love don't that know. they do two versions of it. It's it's like such a cool because like when I look at like yeah. Disneyland, Disney World, like the words written out, how they're in a different font, different you know whatever typograph. Yeah. But uh, you know, so it's cool to have that two different versions of it. And so like my adventure, Hazen hits me up. He's like, hey man, you think you can get one of those uh, Hatbox Ghost Tiki things? You know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah man, let me ask my buddy real quick because my fellow uh, artist engraver at work, his uh, fiance is a waitress at uh, Ohana at the uh, Polynesian right nice. to Trader Joe's and, or Trader, Trader Joe's. Yeah. What is it? Trader Sam's? Trader, Trader Sam's. Yeah, Trader Sam's. Trader Joe's <laughs> is that one other place with where all the yuppies and uh, hipsters go <laughs> and myself included. But yeah, so she, she's like right next to it. So she, he's like, yeah, dude, I'll just let her know and she'll get you two of them if you want <laughs> kind of thing. So you guys That's will have cool. one on the way here shortly too from here. And, and we appreciate that very, very much. So thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just to add a little bit on the popcorn bucket, I didn't get a chance to say this earlier, but I know you you were going to ship that out this week. And the person that won the auction got a little something also from a, a little side project that you have going on. Why don't you talk a little bit about that side project? Yeah, our little inspired on Main Street. Uh, my daughter and I, for the longest time, have talked about doing something kind of artsy fartsy fun, something together, never really knowing what it was. And then having now been working as a cast member and an artist at Disney for seven years, and now she grew up at Disney as well. Like she's been going there since she was like four, like Bibbidi Bobby Boutique every year with her grandparents, the whole nine yards. <laughs> so she's always been involved. Her and I get there, we get this connection, and now we're like, we have this super big thing in common now that we love and have her passionate about, which is awesome. And she's also 19. So she's going to college for marketing and graphic design at USF. And ultimately, she wants to apply for the college program at Disney for the spring for the same thing to get into that. She's very amazing at the I got like Photoshop has changed so many times since I've used it. I couldn't mm -hmm. tell you how to use it anymore. She can do this thing and, you know, whatever. So long story short, we had this idea to start doing a couple T-shirt lines like a, or an apparel line of some sort. And there's a couple companies that we've followed over the years that more or less inspired us. So I started doing some research on the old the old stores of Main Street of Magic Kingdom between my breaks work in the hot shop at Magic Kingdom where we do have like all the big furnace glass blowing stuff last year and I started coming across all this amazing like signage and stuff for all the old stores like I love how all the handwritten lettering was all done but how mm -hmm. also it was kind of inspiring to me in my head so I sent her a quick text I was like how does the, the term uh, the name inspired on Main Street sounds she's like what do you mean and I'm like well I wouldn't mind doing this and I started to explain to her about us doing a little apparel company she immediately within like 10 minutes had a drawing she actually had like five thumbnail sketches that she did and she circled one that she liked the best which is the one that I like the best as well which is now our logo that she's now drawn up and photoshopped and whatever so now we have this inspired on Main Street company business that her and I are running together uh, we've been able to sit down and and having been an artist of myself for the last 20 years, I've run my own businesses. I've been there, done that, had the heartaches, ups and downs, understand what it means to run a business from this, from this, you know, bootstrapping it. So that's what we've done. So she's going through the heartaches too, but she's extremely talented. I get an idea for an, a line of something like your fricking Thanos, you know, I was spared thing, you know, <laughs> Actually, I still got to get that shirt to you, dude. I keep forgetting to send that to you. So I'm like, I hear that on your show. And I'm like, 
sent her a text and I shouldn't have been doing it too, but I was like trying to speak it on my text, you know, driving on I-4 to work. Like we got to do an Iowa Spared shirt design. And within like 30 minutes, she's got a drawing sketched out already on Photoshop, like ready to go. Nice. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. So like the, I get this kind of back up. My, my, one of my most favorite things about Walt and about Disney is story. I love telling stories and sharing stories. And so within this brand, I've wanted to create another brand on, on the side of my own thing within this company while she's doing all her own little girly Disney designs or inspired designs, whatever. So we started doing this recently. I came up with the idea and we're basically what we're kind of moving forward with while she's doing all her kind of feminine, female Disney perspective stuff. I'm doing a whole villain line. And the idea is basically that we're having this temp agency for the villains that need work when Halloween's over. You know, they're all causing out their <laughs> mischief cool. and stuff. They all have talents and skills that they can do. So our very first one is a Sea Witch Singing Academy where you can go get voice lessons from the Sea Witch and maybe lose your voice. Who knows? But it's fantastic. I told her this idea and she immediately came up with a design. And it's just, I don't know, as a dad, seeing my daughter as my you know, child doing this, having this thing in common. And now we are running our Instagram and doing our thing. And I don't know, it's been a lot of fun. I don't know about you guys, though, but what we're finding recently, kind of just to update what's going on, Instagram, I think, recently changed all their algorithms and everybody is losing all kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and she didn't post for like an entire week, right? So part of being a dad, also being an entrepreneur, is I'm sitting back allowing her to make all the mistakes that I make or made, like not posting daily on Instagram, which you have to do with their algorithms. You have to every day, at least once a day post. She went an entire week and didn't post. So we go from like so many hundreds of likes and whatever to like 50. Mm-hmm. You right. know, and she's like sending me text messages, freaking out, you know, and I'm like, hey, this is what business is all about. You got to ride this out. You got to be brave and just keep moving forward and just know in like three years from now, not tomorrow, but three years at least, you'll start to see some success just a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, it's I guess, you know, as we're talking about this, this has been my fun project within a project doing the whole idea of this line of telling a story about this temp agency for the villains. That's awesome, man. I love that you guys are working together. You know, there's uh there's a lot of companies out there, you know, creating apparel for Disney. I mean, we mm-hmm. have our own apparel line, but it's primarily Podcateers themed. A lot of the things that we design have the Podcateers name in it. And mm-hmm. it's just a parody of a lot of the things that we like. We've actually considered moving away from that and creating other designs. And so there's an entire list of ideas that I have um, to create all these different designs and just create like a, a side apparel line. I just I, I just need to sit down and make the time for it. You know, mm-hmm. there's it's one thing to have the idea. It's another thing to sit there and to start sketching it out. And I'm not the type of person that sits and sketches. I go straight into Illustrator or into Photoshop. Mm-hmm. That's my canvas. Mm-hmm. I I could work in there for hours if I had to. And I know that there's other people that have to do a primary sketch and then they can take that sketch and put it into Photoshop or Illustrator. Uh, I don't work like that. My brain is my my brain works in vectors. And so That's how my I, daughter says too. Yeah, so I just have to go in and st- get that pen tool and just start creating lines and then hopefully something looks good at the end. Nice. Yeah. I can appreciate it. Well, on, the, on that same subject, so I guess I can kind of spoil and announce kind of ahead of this line we're launching next week. My son is 11 years old. He's super creative. He's very artsy fartsy. Like he actually, it's, it's so silly at 11 years old, but he actually has a drag queen name for himself. 
It's a long story <laughs> short. But my daughter like practiced her makeup on him one day, and he sends me all these pictures, and he's like, and he's beautiful as like a, a you know, with all his makeup on him. It's hilarious. <laughs> so he, he always has these fun, crazy, quirky ideas of, of like things for t-shirts. He's always throwing at us all these times, you know. So we, you know, so it's a small world topic comes up, and he's like, you know, that small world song is such an earworm. He's like, you guys should do a shirt that's like an earworm after all or something. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> that's amazing. So yes. I literally went home that night after work and just got my paper out and went online and did some Mary Blair te- you know, research on her stuff. I love Mary Blair's art. She's one of my favorite Disney artists of yeah. that time period. And so I made up my own version of a Mary Blair-inspired kind of, you know, ode to her of a It's an Earworm After All. And uh, <laughs> it's going into print next week, and it's going to be like, you know, available a mon- the following a week from this Monday after you know, we're recording this. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. And, uh, you yeah, know, some people don't it. like going on that ride because it's that song gets stuck in their head. Like those poor folks that were stuck on it at freaking at your all's park when the power went out. Yeah, yes. twenty seven minutes. Like, like that's a that's some nightmare stuff right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's like that. Remember, we had scary stuff. We had the conversation of if you want to make something super scary, start with "It's a Small World" and all these children. Just it's a world of laughter. A yeah, world yeah. Of tears. I remember y'all talking about it and having it in like in a different kind of key, also, uh-huh. so it's just a little off, you know. <laughs> like the "Here Comes the Bride" in the Haunted Mansion is just a little bit off. Yeah, right. makes it that that spooky, you know. Uh, that's so, super cool, man. Well, we'll make sure to repost it in our Instagram stories once the product launches for all of our listeners to go check that out as well. Uh, I appreciate that. I, I know Gavin's purchased some too. He's got the Cheers. The yes. ears uh, shirt yeah. or design that you guys have—that's re- yeah. that one's really cool. I love that one. And yeah, yeah. You just never know where inspiration's gonna come. Yeah, you know? uh-huh. it's just well, you- and that's what I like about the brand that you guys are building because it's so eclectic. You know, it comes, it doesn't. You guys don't feel like you're limited to one avenue. You know, you've got a really broad range of of mashups and concept ideas, you know, to create this Disney inspired line. And, uh, I find that really cool and refreshing because so many of the, the Disney apparel lines out there, they're just trying to go down one really clear Avenue, you know, even if they have different subject matter, it all kind of looks the same, you know? And I like that you guys have a broad range of, of styles. Your daughter's super talented. I love following you guys on Instagram and uh yeah i can't wait to see that it's a yeah, earworm after all <laughs> that's gonna be yeah. great yeah it's gonna and be you guys fun. can find us on uh instagram at inspired on main sweet yeah if you guys uh didn't get a chance to catch that make sure to head over to podcasters.com slash 227 we'll put a link to one of their posts in the blog post for this episode you'll be able to click on there click their name follow them hit those little hearts because they got some really good stuff on there yeah, thank you. Something, something too. I was going to tell you guys. Um, just anybody listening through Instagram, if you want to, if you post a picture, that all it says is just leave a comment of hi or hello in my in a post below. That way you can interact with each other because that that'll help to reset the algorithms in terms of who you see in posts. Totally. So if there's somebody that you see that you want to follow and you want to, that you know, the notification buttons ideal to do too. However, just leaving a comment in someone's page also helps with that kind of stuff. Yeah, we fall victim to that all the time because, I mean, we're, I think we've been fairly consistent about posting something, you know, almost every day. And I think we've gotten a lot better, especially now, you know, we have the whole team essentially posting to the Instagram account. And so if one of us catches something pretty early and the other ones are at work, at least somebody catches it and posts it on there. 
So it's been super helpful for me because I don't have to be stressing about, oh, man, this got launched eight hours ago and I didn't comment or post it. And when I look on the Instagram page, somebody posted it. Right. So it's awesome. I love it. Uh, having a team has just been um, a blessing in disguise, I think. And I love yeah, man, it. So. And I'll say it a thousand times. Congrats on the, on the growth of the show, because like I've been listening to you since early, early like years. It's been I mean, you know more or less since you guys started the show. <laughs> so it's been awesome to hear this evolution, not only to be on the show too. I mean, it's like, I'm still kind of giddy about the whole situation, you know, <laughs> but, but also just seeing how things move and grow. And it's, it's honestly, it's, it's just like Disney, you know, they evolve and grow and keep moving Thank and you. telling the story. But I'm super thankful of, you know, where our team started, where we started four years ago. And I'm super happy about where we are now and where we're going. You know, we have a lot of conversations about what we want to do next and how we just want to keep leveling up. And you just got to keep going. You know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. I mean, I'm I'm not speaking to anybody that's a stranger to the hard work and the hustle that goes into something. I mean, Jason, you have mm -hmm. a couple of companies that you run on the side. You do training programs. Well, you know, it's kind of funny, man, because like for the longest time, our show, my show, my the Wise Guy Radio show, which I've had now for about four years, I'm, I just, I'm at like 204 episodes we were neck we were like we were neck and neck i was ahead of you guys and then i was slacking and you guys were catching up on how many episodes we were launching so i was like i can't let those guys get ahead of me there's no way so i was we we're like neck and neck neck and neck and neck and they're like 200 episodes coming up soon i'm like 185 or something like that i was doing like two episodes a week trying to catch up as fast as i could you guys <laughs> it didn't happen you guys are way beyond me now so i'm just gonna let it fly whatever but actually i'm doing i'm actually now doing two episodes a week again so oh cool right which on. is cool yes yeah, yeah i'm kind of evolving my show too and, and and i think that's what's fun doing this kind of stuff and and being a creative is it allows us a whole new platform to be creative on i never mm -hmm. thought in a million years that would work at Disney, much less now sitting at my home in my underwear and my T-shirt where I was wearing ears earlier in my head just being goofy, you know, recording a podcast while I'm sitting here drinking this delicious beer, talking to two dudes about Disney. You know, it's yeah. uh, life is crazy in it. <laughs> I love it. And I've, you know, been at Disney all day working. It's, I don't know. It's life is very surreal. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So uh, let's shift it to something that is kind of surreal when it comes to the Marvel Universe. Let's shift back into the Disney talk, shall we? Let's do it. About a month or so ago, we heard the news that James Gunn was fired from Marvel and that he wouldn't be coming back to direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. This came because there were some tweets that surfaced uh, from the past. He went on record as saying, hey, look, I was very immature. This was something that I did for shock value. That's what Twitter was all about. But it didn't really sit well with Disney and the brand that Disney's trying to market. And so uh, in response to those tweets, they fired James Gunn. And over the last week, we saw all these rumors surfacing that James Gunn was going to be directing the next Suicide Squad. So when that news came out, what did you guys think about that? <laughs> <laughs> High five. That's all I can, that's, that's the only way I can describe it. I don't like it, but good for him. I Dude's mean, talented. Yeah, the guy's a good director. That can't be denied. And, you know, he's going to go get work, you know. And if Disney doesn't want to employ him, I'm sure a ton of other studios would. Uh, you know, this, this whole issue came up, like you said, because of tweets that happened many years ago. And... You know, unfortunately, we're in this environment right now where we're crucifying people and we're not allowing for the possibility that they may have changed and mm -hmm. grown as a person and learned from their mistakes. Now, 
granted, he probably should have gone back and deleted those tweets long ago. But, yes. you know, there, there's there's no reason that we can't stop and evaluate the situation more than we do. But in today's environment, you know, we want to just, you know, cut people down, you know, for singular actions that, you know, and th these were words. These these weren't there's no, you know, action behind this. It wasn't like he went out and committed an actual crime or, mm -hmm. you know, anything like that. And so it's 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 a little we're almost in a witch hunt kind of environment right now. And it's a little disheartening. Um, but, you know, he's he's clearly got the talent to do work in that industry and he's going to get work. And, yeah. and, I, and I, I may actually watch a DC movie right now. You know, now that he's going to do a DC well, film, I may yeah. actually watch one. I mean, Wonder <laughs> yeah. Woman was amazing. But now that he's going to do this, it's, it might be good. It might be the coup that DC has been waiting for. You know, it yeah. really yeah. it really might start to kind of even the, the playing field a little bit. I mean, it's it's hugely imbalanced right now, but it might start mm -hmm. to even it a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I I understand Disney's stance. You know, they they can't really take chances with stuff like this with public opinion. Yeah. So I, I get it, but I just don't like the environment as it stands right now because it's it's too knee jerky and too yeah hypersensitive and overreactionary. Yeah. Uh, now. If we, you know, investigate and everything turns out to be true and this guy's a real jerk and believes these things and thinks these things, then great. Then we can talk about, you know, repercussions. But the fact that we, you know, try and and uh, sentence these people, you know, at the drop of a hat is a little bit short sighted, I think. Have you guys read the tweets? Because personally, I have not. Yeah, I I heard a couple of them quoted on the radio, yeah. and they're you know they're not for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, for sure. exactly. So, but here's the, but here's what I from my understanding what I've heard about the whole situation is that time frame in his life, he was directing the Toxic Avenger films and series, right. which is just a completely you know B movie style you know graphic everything that's outside of the realm of Disney. Mm -hmm. So his personality was probably kind of tied up in that and again if it's stuff that he's and i'm not defending the guy at all i'm just like it's playing devil's advocate in a sense but you know so i guess in a, and when you're in this environment you kind of pick up a little bit of that stuff and in the terms of personality wise and then having access to twitter which so many people should not be on twitter <laughs> because of the stuff yes. they're putting out there i mean how many people have the crucified truth. themselves because of twitter i mean right. it's, it's stupid you know the only thing i could say is just it's stupid who would have thought right. in a day and age that we would see celebrities get completely cut off at the knees because of, of whatever 30 character thing or whatever, 70 characters, whatever it is. It's incredible. Yeah. So it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's understandable because of where Disney is and I get it. You know, I know myself personally as a cast member, I have a certain landmark that when I'm on the way to work and I see that landmark, my Disney mode kicks in any foul language and stuff like that. It all goes out the window. When I get off work and I hit that landmark again, it all clicks right back on and I every <laughs> I've been holding on to goes out the window. <laughs> yeah, I feel but like still. that about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is very family friendly and we we're considered, you know, a minivan podcast. I love the fact that children listen and I love the fact that we can provide historical stories and data that they can learn something from. But outside of the podcast, I, I I've been known to have a little bit of a foul mouth. I think I've gotten a little bit better now, especially because my kids are around and stuff. 
that I don't yeah. want to slip. And then they say, well, dad says it. You know, <laughs> yeah, I have to I really work on that control factor. And so it's helped me a lot as far as recording the podcast is concerned. But yeah, yeah so, so back to this whole yeah. uh, James Gunn thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, from a business standpoint, I totally understand where Disney's coming from. You know, they're in the process of finalizing this deal with 20th Century Fox. And as they're working on that, they don't want investors to see this as well. This is who you're going to keep on payroll. I don't think we want to fund this. And it could cause a chain reaction where it could cost them that deal. So I think part of the knee-jerk reaction was we have too many things in motion. Let's not topple them. Let's cut this off now and let's just move on. And so yep. it's not to say that he won't be forgiven. I mean, like you said, it could come out later on that they reevaluated everything. And who's to say that he won't be back one day to work with Disney. But like you were saying, if this thing turns out to be true, which so far it's looking like it might be, ah, it, it is a game changer for DC because yeah. all of their films just are horrible. <laughs> Aquaman, I will say Aquaman looks amazing. It does, but I think a lot of people see Aquaman as the savior for the DCEU, yeah. uh, and I see it differently. I honestly think that Shazam is going to be the savior for the DCEU. Dude, you and me both, brother. That you looks know? amazing. It's just yeah. the fact that it's lighthearted. Wait, wait, wait. The Teen Titans Go movie was the savior for DC. <laughs> I but loved it, that movie. But it was fantastic. It, it doesn't fit into the whole Martha narrative. Yeah, right? that's true. And so Wonder Woman, <laughs> I saw as the first portion uh, of what began to save the DCEU, the new yeah. film that's going to come out where they talk about her. Um, I, th I think it's like set in the 80s or something. I forgot what the new story is for Wonder Woman, but I think that's going to help a lot. And as as good as Aquaman might look, I mean, the Batman and Superman movies also look good in the trailers and then they turn out to be a hot mess. Yep. I think Shazam is really going to be something that they bank on. But if James Gunn really does come on and do the next Suicide Squad, that is going to be the game changer for them. Yeah, 100%. So here's a caveat for you guys. So out here in the WDW world, we have Epcot, we have the Guardians Galaxy roller coaster going in. And they were going to be planning on filming scenes for that roller coaster ride and this pre queue stuff during the filming of this movie. Like they already had everything blocked out. Mm -hmm. Now they're not. So that being said, this may actually cost Disney a ton of money because now they're going to have to hire the actors. They're going to have to build the costumes, create everything, refilm backgrounds, blah, 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 blah. Wow. Just to shoot the scenes for this freaking ride. So. Interesting. There's also rumors that they may not go with Guardians of the Galaxy and they may go with something else and theme, retheme the thing. There's Interesting. Whoa. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just saying these are just rumors that I hear going floating around so that, you know, this isn't set in stone. That's a serious so, ripple. It's interesting, right? So yeah. it's, you know, it's this huge building, the showcase building that the roller coaster itself is going to be housed in. It's like a 13-story thing. It literally overtakes Spaceship Earth, which is about to go down for a two-year renovation on a side note. I didn't know it was that topic. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it's, it's, dude, it's, it's huge. It's going to be the largest indoor roller coaster ever built, I guess is yeah. what they're saying about the whole situation. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens because even like Batista, I don't know if you guys are watching yeah. the WWE lately, yeah. but yeah. he was on, on Raleigh the night and he's now taking hiatus from filming and is now going to start getting back in the ring a little bit, it seems. So yeah, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, he was but, dude, very like, vocal. H, Batista. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> he was so good the first time he was there. 
I know, right? <laughs> but so, so he's like, I'm going to go to DC. You guys want to hire me now? You know, kind of thing. So yeah. I'm really, you know, and who's going to play Drax? There's, I don't see how they could have somebody else come in. They can bring in Lou Ferrigno. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like having somebody else play the Hulk. It just doesn't make sense. It's interesting that you bring that up because we can't validate it. As far as we know, it's just a rumor. Okay, so we don't want to be that podcast that's like, we heard on Podcateers. No, it's it's just something that was heard, and we're just you know offering that information. But <clears throat> let's play devil's advocate. Let's say that it actually does turn out to be true. The ripple effect doesn't even happen just in the parks. The ripple effect happens in the MCU as well, because yep. when you have something as tightly knit together as the MCU has been for the last 10 years, a lot of what's going to be happening in the next several set of movies, including Avengers 4, including Captain Marvel, and of course the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy movie, if it happens... Yeah. There has to be a lot of rewrites uh, for those films and a lot of reshoots if they don't continue with them. One yeah. of the interesting things is that this, I think it was this last week or the week before, that the Guardians of the Galaxy in the Marvel comic books got a new team. And Peter huh. Quill was one of the only members that remained from the original team. I forgot all the new team members that were a part of it, but there was now like Stallone's eight or nine. characters in it. I'm sorry? Stallone's character that he played, um, you know, the, what's his face? I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I don't, I don't remember who because he it, was like one of the original Guardians or something like that. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Uh, the point is that yeah. the new Guardians of the Galaxy has an entirely new team. One thing that I've really noticed is that we've the MCU did something really strange from the very beginning, and that was change a lot of the origin stories for a lot of the characters from what we knew in the comic books. You know, one of the most classic, uh, classic examples of that was Ant-Man and Ultron, right? Ultron was not created by Tony Stark. He was created by Hank Pym, but yeah. to cater to the MCU, all of these storylines were tweaked just enough to make it work within the overall universe. The only time that now I've seen where one of the MCU films has gone back and retroactively changed something in the comics is for Captain Marvel. Because mm -hmm. this last week, the new Captain Marvel comic that was announced, uh, they're giving Carol Danvers an entirely new origin story that caters more to the film than mm -hmm. where the original story came from. And so huh. I'm wondering if Marvel is taking a step back and saying, okay, well, if this is going to happen with the Guardians, let's introduce a new team and let's move on with that new team. How is it going to affect all these other films? Let's bring some synergy between the two products now and really start catering to these alternate storylines that we weren't able to tell, but are considered canon within the MCU going forward. Interesting. I know Star Wars is doing that too right now. I mean, there, there's another franchise that I think would benefit from taking a step back, which is exactly what they're doing. I mean, Bob Iger yeah. made it yeah, very it. clear that, you yeah. know, there's a little bit of Star Wars fatigue. And yeah. so they're taking a little bit of a step back. But uh, the whole James Gunn thing is super interesting. I'm curious to see where he ends up, what he ends up doing. I, I think either, which which I've heard other people talk about, which may, is why I'm saying this, but maybe think about it, is uh, the guy or whoever directed Thor Ragnarok and or also whoever oh, yeah, directed yeah. The, the Infinity Wars, because mm -hmm. the Infinity War people, you know, writers and directors had to write and direct the, the Guardians of the Galaxy. And then Thor Ragnarok was very quirky in that same kind of 
mm-hmm. fun again and it's also one of my my favorite Thor film yet that's been out it's my but, only uh, one uh, dude you're lame <laughs> the first one was really good too I love yeah, the Thor I mean, movies I think our definitions of good are slightly different yeah. He's my favorite. I still think his entr- his nice. entrance into 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 Avengers to the Infinity War oh, when he yeah. finally came in and just showed everybody what Thor is actually all about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a great entrance. Oh man, I want to go watch it right now just to see it. I'm, I, I think I mentioned it on the podcast. You know, we have our family movie night and we saw Infinity War, and I remember my oldest son seeing Thor come in for the first time during the war in Wakanda, and he just lost it. He's like, "Yeah, here we go!" And I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I didn't realize he was that into the film. <laughs> That's awesome. That's how my son was when we saw it in the theater. He was just like, "Yes," <gasps> oh. and then like tears. <laughs> yes, like back and forth for like three hours. It was amazing. And then we all sat there just in complete shock. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I love, I love it. Amazing. So anyways, back on topic. <laughs> um, well, you know, we mentioned him just a little bit ago. Bob Iger. You know, Bob Iger was the one that obviously made a decision to fire James Gunn. It came straight from the top. Uh, Bob Iger is, you know, considered a really good businessman. He had an article in Time Magazine not too long ago Overall, what do you guys think about Bob Iger as the CEO of the Disney company? Fantastic. <laughs> I think that's a good word for it. Uh, you know, I, I think of the word uh, consistency. Uh, I mm-hmm. feel like we've never had an era last this long with just consistent quality. You know, the the movies that they've put out under his tenure, the decisions on park expansions uh on new parks um on acquisitions Uh, obviously acquisitions is you know world shaking uh you know he's just been a consistent uh grower of the brand in a way that you know nobody else has ever done and i and i i wonder if even walt could have dreamed of an empire this huge you know under one roof yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, but on that same thing, I've wondered if Walt actually would be happy about it, though, at the same time. Like, I, that, like I've questioned that about his perspective on where things are in this, like, mega world conglomerate of where we are. Sure. If he would actually be happy about that or, you know, you know, it's, it's another topic for another day. But I it's agree. an interesting conversation. Yeah, I, you know, it's true. But I think there's also there would also be an amount of pride because so many of these, um, you know, intellectual properties you know, the, the creators of them, you know, ended up wanting their legacy to end up in the hands of Disney. You know, I think of Jim, yeah, uh, Jim Henson, you know, right. he, he always wanted his stuff to end up with Disney. George Lucas was the same way, yeah. you know, he, he, he envisioned that being the end story for where his properties would end up. And that's why he began working with the Disney parks back in the mid eighties. And, uh, you know, I think so on that level, you know, Walt would be very proud that all of these companies, yeah, they were sold for a high dollar amount, but they wouldn't have agreed to all of that if they weren't assured that their legacies would be protected. You know, Pixar knew that it wasn't going to be erased from existence by being consumed by the Disney company. It was going to be allowed to stand on its own still. And the same for the other companies with LucasArts and uh, Marvel and, you know, and possibly the forthcoming acquisition of the Fox Entertainment properties. So, I, I, man, I think it's 
he's such a unique character in the landscape of American business. And the one thing that, that stood out to me about this article is that I feel like after many months, the face of the company has kind of finally shifted away from John Lasseter, which I think it, it has been John for the last many years and is now fully Bob Iger as the face of the Disney company. And I, I totally appreciate that because I feel like he's been a very responsible respectful like caretaker of the disney legacy absolutely he seems also to be really good at choosing character in terms of leadership within the company i mean just the Mm -hmm. fact that they decided to keep the story writers together for the whole marvel universe Mm -hmm. so things can stay cohesive throughout the entire i mean where it's at now who would have dreamed that they would have been able to come up they've come up with now right bob Iger is like let's keep this together you know keeping everybody on from lucas films i mean it's just very, very smart, wise decisions in terms of his his team and the circle that he has around him as well. And he's a great face for Disney. He's great because of the fact that he was a cast member. He knows what's going on. Was, was he a cast member? No, I'm thinking of Caligrigus. Well, he worked yeah. at ESPN for many years, and he kind of rose through the ranks at ESPN before he took over as CEO. And, and ABC. Still is, is you know, was a yeah. fan in a sense, you know, before coming on board. So it's... It's 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 been an interesting being involved myself as a cast member and seeing the IPs coming in and you know things behind the scenes. It's uh, it's interesting. The leadership and choices of leadership as a leader is huge with yeah. that company. Yeah. Well, see, he also was Michael Eisner's number two basically for the last whatever like five years or so, like the Michael Eisner crazy years. Uh, <laughs> so he also kind of got to learn what not to do with the Disney company. And I think he might have drawn some of his wisdom from, uh, you know, the moves that that Michael made late in his tenure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just go back to just consistent good moves on his part. You know, you know, I I want to disagree slightly with that comment because I don't think he necessarily learned a lot from the mistake of uh, the mistakes of Michael Eisner. I think Bob Iger has always had that business, that mindset that it takes to grow a company the way that he Mm -hmm. has. Uh, Michael Eisner, his decisions always felt like they were erratic and very based on his current mood. Because of that, there was a lot of mistakes made along the way. One of the biggest ones being Euro Disney. That park could have been built in such a way that it would have prospered in the first year, but it didn't. Bob Iger has a whole different mindset for this, and that's one of the primary reasons why in the first like year, Shanghai made like $5.5 billion. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. You know, it it exceeded the expectations. They did learn from opening Euro Disney, and they didn't mm-hmm. want to make those mistakes again. So, opening another park is not something simple. But Shanghai just kind of blew all of that out of the water. It's funny because what you were mentioning earlier, Rupert Murdoch was one of the people that spoke up about uh, the sense of having Disney run their product and keeping the IPs intact. I don't think there's another company out there that many would trust with their IP addresses, but IP addresses with their intellectual (laughs) properties, with their IPs. And uh, the the tech nerd in me just started to come out. Um, But there's a a bit of, of, of a comfort zone with the Disney company, right? Where you, you can see the CEOs of these other companies saying, well, Disney is a very respectable company. And if we have to give it up to somebody, 
this is who we want to give it up to. I would have not have seen Fox going to, let's say, Universal and being treated the same way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't totally think agree. Marvel or Lucasfilm or Pixar would have been treated the same way. And Bob Iger just has, and this is from what I've read. I obviously, you know, I joke a lot about texting Bobby all the time. And as much as <laughs> as I would love for that to be true, it's not true. But you know, from everything that I've read and everything that I know about Bob Iger so far, uh, he's a very level-headed businessman. He's very in tune. He's a fan first. And that's super important mm-hmm. when you're running something like this because bringing in all of these properties that are not originally Disney and allowing the people, like you said, Jason, the people that were running it before maintain that power and do what they're what they're good at is essentially the things that Walt used to do when he started. Walt yeah, knew huh. that he wasn't good at many things, but he let the people that were good at those things handle their business. And that's exactly how Bob Iger thinks about business. Tim Cook said Bob Iger thinks of business more like a tech mogul versus uh, a regular CEO because he's always looking to see where we're going to be in the future versus where we are and what's going to get us through the next quarter. Which I feel like that's kind of where Eisner was most of the time. Mm -hmm. You know, he was always so busy trying to get the numbers up for the next quarterly meeting that he forgot about the vision. And he forgot about where he was supposed to be five or ten years from where he was at the time. Yeah. yeah. One of the key lines that I remember from that article is Disney will disrupt the disruptors. Yes. And That's that, awesome. that line sticks out so much. And I just kind of feel like, yeah, that, that speaks volumes to me. Because just everything that they're doing with the streaming service going forward, we got a little bit more information about how it's going to work, where it's going to be a little bit of an a la carte thing. If you only want Disney movies, you pay for one tier. If you only want Pixar, if you only want Star Wars, if you only want sports through ESPN, you're not going to be forced to pay an entire fee for all these services that you're probably not going to use. And so the ability to pick and choose the things that Mm -hmm. you want is going to be huge for the industry because uh, they made it a point to talk about how on Netflix, there's tons of movies that are on there that you never watch that they're paying for. And it's true. Netflix is paying so much money for original content. Most of the time, they're trying to jam that down your throat by telling you, hey, here's what's new. Here's what's new. Here's a commercial. Here's what's new. Don't watch this movie. Watch our new series because that's what they want to make their money on. Mm -hmm. Having the ability to go back and view the vault, having the ability to choose if you want the sports, having the ability to choose (laughs) if you want the Fox stuff or the Simpsons or Avatar, whatever the case is, that's huge. And I think it's going to be a a game changer as far as over the top services are concerned. It's, it's going to change the face of choose your own television as we know. Like, yeah, you know, cable companies are like, I'm getting stuff in the mail from cable companies. Like, Hey, you guys can get this package now and you can choose like five channels or 10 channels or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And, and the fact that Disney, not only because they have the money and can afford to do it, but they're, they are so attention to detail that when they have like the new Loki series coming out, or the Scarlet Witch series coming out, that they have Tom Hiddleston, who plays Loki, coming to play on a series that's going to cost them tons of money to have this high-class you know, A actor on there, but it's staying with the theming and the content that they've been producing already up until this point. You know, So everything's cohesive. They're willing to put the effort and the time and the money into it. I mean, how many Disney projects have been started where they've dropped millions and millions and millions of dollars, and then they're like, oh, okay, we're not going to do this anymore. And right. they're <laughs> 
So, yeah. you know, and I don't know if you guys have heard, but the um, Jim Hill is a podcast I listen to a lot. But uh, he's been talking for months now that this thing's called Disney Play. Part of the thing is that Disney, with the Fox acquisition, was that uh, Comcast basically they did their bid. They did a bid again. Disney paid all this money for Fox. The amount of money that that Comcast up their bid, if you take the entire amount of IPs that Disney has purchased up until the point of Fox, that amount of money, that cost for all those is what they upped the the Fox deal by, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Just it's to like think about play that. money, yeah. right? So in the in the background, I guess you, Comcast and Disney had this thing going on where if Disney allows uh, Comcast to purchase the Sky Network that potentially Comcast slash Universal will sunset the deal for all the Marvel stuff east of the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So now that it's going potentially going through for Comcast to acquire Sky over in Europe, which is their, their network TV, Netflix basically, they've made this agreement. Disney didn't go back in there and try to recounter the bid to say keep the sunset deal going. So if this rumor is true, potentially in the next five years or so, we're going to start having Marvel out here at Disney and they can actually call it Marvel instead of not, you know, instead of just being guardians of the galaxy, it could be Marvel's guardians of the galaxy. Right. You know? So, and then there's all these other plans for that. Universal can take their Hulk coaster and turn it into the wicked witch coaster because they have the rights and the, and the properties for wicked and they're going to start promoting wicked more. All this other, this is what I've been hearing in the background, kind of fun hmm. stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's curious to see. And Bob Iger's, back to him is right in the middle of all this stuff and his people yeah. and again the leadership that he takes and you know it's 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 so fun to sit back as all of us disney nerds do and watch all this stuff happen i mean who could have ever imagined that the avengers literally the avengers paid for marvel yeah absolutely you know it's who it's crazy so now it's paid, it's paid for they're out of debt they own marvel 100 percent. yeah you know in a sense thanks yeah. to all of us i saw it 10 times yeah i mean the <laughs> when they first placed the bid i think it was for like 66 billion uh to acquire fox and when they finally upped it after the comcast bid it's currently up to 71 billion dollars in order to acquire pretty much everything yeah. except for sky and when you take that amount of money into consideration and you add up that they paid four billion for lucas they paid four billion for marvel and 7.4 billion for pixar it's a huge jump yeah, yeah. it's crazy right <laughs> Yeah, but now we can redo the X Men and make it right. We can redo the Fantastic Four and make that oh, right. Yes. Because all this stuff that they can actually redo and make it right for once. we won't have to be dealing with all those Sony low budget Fantastic Four films just because yeah. they want to make sure they don't lose their contractual rights to make yep. a movie. Yep, it's interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, if you guys didn't get a chance to read the article, I'm gonna put a link to it in the blog post for the episode, podcasters.com slash two two seven if you wanna check it out. It's a really interesting article. You know, there's a lot of businessmen that uh, I look up to. Walt Disney, obviously one of them because uh, not only was he a dreamer, but he also had a lot of business acclimate to everything that he did. Bob Iger is one of them, as much heat that i get for this one i really look up to steve jobs too because steve jobs changed an entire industry mm-hmm. and although i don't have an apple device i really admire everything that he did how he fell from what he was doing and how he rose back up to essentially take over the company that he built and was taken away from him went on to build a new company that apple bought out went on to help found pixar 
And I mean, he I'm telling you, he changed the tech industry into what we now know it is. And I really look up to stuff like that. Bob Iger's at the top of that list too, man. He's just so good at what he does. He's so level-headed about all of his decisions. And, I mean, his track record speaks for itself. You know, I don't think you can argue with that. And if I ever got the chance, I know we've talked about our bucket list, like our Disney bucket list items that we'd love to do. I know some people are like, ah, Club 33, Club this. No, I want to sit down with Bob Iger and just chat with him. And if I had one hour to sit with Bob Iger... That's it. I'm done. Yeah. And he's smart, too, by extending his contract. You know, he, he could have rode out and said, all right, see you guys. But he wants to hang out and make sure this Fox acquisition yeah. goes through smoothly and the teams yeah. are set up and everything's ready to go before he walks away. Yeah. It, it's going to be really interesting how the transition happens. Um, I'm scared. I'm not. You know, <laughs> I'm kind of curious how it's going to go. <laughs> I actually am not. And I'll tell you why. If everything pans out the way that I believe it's going to pan out and kind of how the structure is currently set up for Disney. The next person to take over is going to be Bob Chapek. Right. And Bob Chapek has a really great record as far as what he's done with the resorts and what he's gone on to do with marketing. He's got a very similar mindset to how Bob mm-hmm. Iger runs things. And so if Bob Chapek is the next one in line to take over for Bob Iger, again, I don't know this for certain. This is just kind of what I feel would happen the company is going to be in really good hands because they have Makes the sense. same business sense. Do you think that Chapek, though, with him being what, what he's running right now, and this is just like an outside perspective, not mine, pers- mine personally, but the fact that he's like IP everything, you know, every, like everybody's getting really frustrated at Epcot that all these IPs are coming in. They want to keep it back to the tradition of what Walt had it as an educational space, not IP everything. Like everybody's freaking out about the Guardians of the Galaxy ride going, and they're like, why didn't you go to Hollywood Studios? But that's not the plan for Hollywood. That's the plan for Epcot. So for me, I'm excited about whatever they do. So if it's new, I'm I'm do it. I'm all about it. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, in terms of what you guys think. Kind of getting because to me, by the IPs coming in, to me, it keeps Disney from being original. The run, Mickey and Minnie Runaway Railway Railway. Say that yes. five times fast. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be incredible. It's the first time Mickey's actually gotten a ride. Yep. It's something new. It's a new story. It's new technology. I want to see more of that soaring around the world was awesome soaring around california is awesome but again it's just still soaring they didn't really it's just like a reskin same thing with california adventure you know to me the, the, the all the pixar pier all the stuff it's beautiful what they redid with the all the ips however it's still a traditional amusement park ride themed type place that they just threw the you know incredible yeah on, yeah you know so what do you guys think like from your perspective from where you guys are in disneyland like what do you guys think about that you know if, if he comes on board and all of a sudden it's like you know, everything's IP. Yeah. You know, I, we've talked about it on the show a little bit and I've gone on record as saying that I lament the fact that, you know, it's been a long time since we had, uh, you know, a big thunder mountain or a space mountain, you know, the, these truly original Disney park attractions that have nothing to do with a film, nothing to do with an IP at all. And, you know, to me, you know, especially as a kid going to the parks, it was neat to see the IP related things, you know, especially in Fantasyland. But it was the magic of these, you know, epic adventures you could go on like Pirates of the Caribbean because it didn't mm-hmm. used to be an IP. And it yeah. was this amazing epic adventure you could go on. The Haunted Mansion, another perfect example of incredible imagineering work with mind blowing special effects 
that you know transports you to another place when you when you uh, get on it and uh, you know they didn't need any IP for that and so it's weird that there does seem to be a need for uh, every new thing to be IP driven it seems like um, now uh, there's obvious track records of success with such things you know mm-hmm. cars land out here is a huge example of that you know yeah. they there's I couldn't foresee them creating an area like that you know themed on you know, the Southwestern landscape and route 66 in general, and just kind of making it like a cars themed place without actually being associated with the film and it be successful. But because it was, you know, like stepping into that movie and, you know, it was done really well, it, it's a huge success. So it's tough. I mean, I get, I get it because it makes the most sense to go after something that you know is a success. You know, they actually mentioned this in the article that mm-hmm. we're referring to is that that's one of the geniuses of the, the current concept because they can, you know, acquire something like Marvel and they can have a breakout runaway success story like the Guardians of the Galaxy film and they can parlay that into an attraction at Disneyland or at California Adventure, which is hugely successful. And, you know, just brings in a ton of traffic just on its own. And, you know, so it makes sense to kind of roll those things in. But I I will always miss the non-IP attraction creations. And, yeah, yeah I, I don't know if and when we'll see another new one. Like the Mickey Mouse thing is an IP, but it's, it's it kind of is, but it kind of isn't, you know, because it's not based on like a Mickey Mouse movie in particular or short you know it's just kind of like a character and i don't know that's the closest thing that we've had in a long long time right yeah 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 so so disneyland and california adventure are a little bit different when we talk about expansion and new attractions than when we talk about walt disney world and other parks around the world primarily because of space And we saw we've talked a lot about how Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland is really going to break that synergy, that roundness that was built around the Disneyland Resort. And it's going to give one Mickey ear to the resort and leave it one (laughs) less Mickey ear on the opposite side until something new comes along. Right. Wait a second. Mm -hmm. I feel like Toontown was the first Mickey ear. Yeah, I don't count that as the first Mickey ear because it's not big enough. It's not far so that, up enough to count as the Mickey ear. Yeah, the it's, layout, it's, it's, it's not there. It's Galaxy's a Edge Galic? really does look like its first Mickey ear. Okay. So maybe what they're going for is the largest hidden Mickey ever. And that was Hollywood <laughs> Studios the and they built that. Right? Have you guys seen the, the aerial shots of Hollywood? It was yeah. the original big hidden yeah. Mickey. Yeah. But what if so Disneyland cool. becomes the largest hidden Mickey after another park expansion? I'm just saying that, yeah. putting it out there take it like i mean you will. they'd have to expand into the five well then they'll have to build a bridge or something or make it go <laughs> underground i don't know but i mean it's been known to happen right that's uh, hilarious uh, right. so as far as the ip thing is concerned uh, i've been thinking a lot about this since the last time that we talked about it and i'm starting to see it a little bit different the internet has really changed the way that we view going to theme parks and how we just interact with the world in general And because of that, 
a lot of it is at our disposal. We see things from other parks because people are constantly posting what they're doing, what they're eating, what they're writing, what they're experiencing at all of these different places. Like I can't go through my Instagram stream, personal or the Podcateers one, without seeing at least 15 posts from uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter because there are fans for everything. And because there are fans for everything, Disney will not pacify the need for something for everyone. As we grow older, as we see the world, and as we expand our mind, we're always going to like different things, which is why there's so many Disney fans that love Harry Potter, that love Marvel, like Star Wars. What Disney has done is they've begun to bring a lot of these IPs under the same umbrella. And by bringing them under the umbrella, they're almost guaranteeing future business by giving everyone in the family something that they enjoy at the parks. I think, though, whether it's after there's a regime change, you know, if Bob Chapek takes over or whoever takes over, I think there's going to be a cusp. And when we reach that cusp, we're going to begin to see more Disney stuff in general because people will not want to see so many IP things around the resorts. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a point where people are just going to say, enough of this. Give us more Disney. Give us more Pixar. And Disney will begin to cater to those. Right now, they're taking advantage of these IPs because they want to bring those people in. They want to give the people what they want to keep them at their parks. As technology gets better, look at all the rides and all the attractions that are at other parks. You know, yeah. <clears throat> we're getting a lot of similar technology at Disney parks, but because there was a huge shift in the theme park industry when Universal opened Hogwarts. Or, I'm sorry. It, it um, changed it. Hogsmeade. Yeah. Hogsmeade. Hogsmeade, yeah. It changed, yeah. It changed everything. Yeah. Once Hogsmeade opened, theming went to the next level. Like, Cars yeah. Land did its part, but Hogsmeade totally blew it out of the water. And so now Disney has to compete with that. And that's not a property that Universal had. It's not a Universal property because Universal was a studio. You know, it was not something that they created the way that Disney did, but they need to yeah. find a way to compete. And so I think that there's going to be a point where they're going to say, OK, let's go back to the Disney stuff. We have these IPs. We're going to create all of these attractions like Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's easy to switch out the theming. It's just a new video, a couple of new lights, and you got a brand new ride. Look at Monsters After Dark. The mm -hmm. more that we see things built out in the parks, the more they're going to cater to what's current and what people want to see. And I think that's just the way that these attractions are going. Yeah, and I think, too, by, by going with IP, it allows for instant familiarity and immersion into a theme yeah. or whatever you know it is like me personally bring it all on i want star wars marvel everything bring it you know if we get the simpsons i want a simpson land somewhere you know not inside disney world but you know somewhere <laughs> even though universal already has it but you know it just it's 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 an it's an immediate familiarity and again an immersion thing star wars galaxy's edge is a classic example of kind of where disney's evolving in terms of storytelling technology with so and, and also taking advantage of social media too in terms of the promotional aspect and everybody you know is going to be sharing things as it goes on with the technology like with the uh, disney play thing you know on our phones that we have now you guys are experiencing it there a lot of this stuff's going to interact with the stuff in star wars and and also what i've heard recently is part of what their the goal is with the galaxy's edge theming is this going to be a constantly evolving storyline 
Yeah. Compared mm-hmm. to say like Thunder Mountain or Haunted Mansion, it's a Frozen in Time theme story time, right? Galaxy's Edge, you go this year, next year the story is going to be completely different. New characters are going to come in, new story things have happened. It's all going to constantly evolve, and it's also going to evolve because of us visiting it. We're going to interact with this thing and be fully immersed in it to where we're going to be telling our own story within a story within a story, and that, that story is going to evolve because we're evolving through the story. You know what I mean? Like there's all these amazing layers that are going to happen. It's it's going to be a, the first time ever in the history for me, from what it seems like in theme parks, to have something so incredibly immersive like this. Mm-hmm. It's going to probably take me two years to get in this place because of how busy it's going to be, too, because of this, because of how amazing it's going to be. It's not only that, and it's going to bring a whole different perspective and version of person to this Disney parks that have never been to Disney before. The IPs work because of that, too. People that don't like Disney, they love Marvel, they're coming for the Marvel stuff. And then they get exposed to Disney, then they fall in love with Disney, and now they love it all. So right. it's, you know, it's it's all smart stuff. However, I still do agree with you know what you're saying, Gavin, and also you know with the I think too with the, the cusp thing with Disney, eventually is going to get to a point to where the new IPs will be built, and then they can then focus on developing new storyline within the mm-hmm. Disney world itself. It'll be interesting. I mean, we'll be there. <laughs> yeah. I think as Disney fans, we're following all of this closely, and we love to read about it, we love to experience it, we love to complain about it, but we do it because we love it. Right. We talk about this stuff and we have these types of conversations because we're so passionate about it. And, you know, we try to be respectful because we understand that it's a business and Mm -hmm. not everything is going to cater to a petition with 200 people that didn't want to see something go away. (laughs) You you need to think of the overall business model. And that's exactly what Disney's doing. R.I.P. Mr. Toad. Yeah. I mean, I know that's not a popular thing to say, but I've had that conversation with many people. And I remember having that conversation, especially when the redhead went away, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's the evolution of the park, you know, yeah. and I, and you mentioned it earlier while we were talking about the article in Time magazine. Uh, honestly, I think that Walt would have been the first one to put Bob Iger in charge from what we were saying earlier, that Walt always found people that were better at things that he wasn't good at if he knew bob Iger was going to run the company like this as long as he was there to walk things through with him he would have been the first one to say yeah do it let's go let's acquire these companies let's acquire these uh, other intellectual properties that we can build upon what was mm-hmm. always about change and it's difficult to say what walt would have wanted i know it's a conversation mm-hmm. we can have another day because we weren't there we're not walt Right. We don't know exactly what he thought. We can only speculate about it. But I honestly think that if Walt had a choice, he would have been one of the first people to say, I like I I like the cut of that Bob Iger's jib. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's how he spoke, but that's how I feel like he would have said it. (laughs) Yeah, I want to I want to I want to say real quick that, uh, you know, ultimately, I totally agree with Jason, too, in that. Anything Disney brings us that's new, I'm on board for it. You know, if it's IP based, that's fine. I mean, I I love all of it. I just, you know, want, you know, also new original things. Uh, But but what you just said, Hayes, it kind of kind of struck me with something. Uh, You know, if you think of Walt as kind of the visionary and the guy who sought out the talent to surround himself with to make the company better and, you know, his lifelong partner, Roy, was kind of the businessman, right, who, who made, 
you know, the financials happen and, you know, made the right business decisions for the partnership. I almost feel like Bob Iger is kind of the combination of both. You know, mm-hmm, he's kind yeah. of the Walt and the Roy right now. And I was going to say the same it, thing earlier. Yeah. Totally. And it so it makes sense, you know, and, and maybe Walt would have recognized that. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I've been nothing but pleased with his tenure overall. And uh, I mean, you know, he they did release John Carter on his watch, which <laughs> no, no thanks. But, you know, a couple blips here and there. But the successes far outweigh that. Right. I mean, it's not even close. And also a wrinkle in time, but we're not going to count that. <laughs> you know, I, I we saw that movie and I'd never read the book and I walked out of that movie so confused. It could have been like either two films or like five hours long to really tell the story because it yeah. was just rushing yeah. one thing. I it was also released was. like bad timing releasing wise, you know? Sure. Same with Solo. Like it was released at a poor time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's another topic another day. Yeah. Uh, well, on that note, gentlemen, I think it's about time to wrap this episode up. What do you guys think? Yeah, we've yeah been... we have like five more things to talk about, but you know, we ramble too <laughs> I know. much here. We could go I for just... four hours. I, uh, yeah. Hey, whatever. I'm, I got whatever. I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. We always have production meetings and we talk about some of the things that we want to bring up in the podcast. But uh, when conversation just flows, man, we just have to go with it. And, you know, anytime we get a chance to talk to Jason, whether it's off the podcast or on the podcast, we just have a good time because we just like to nerd out. And mm-hmm. we appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you for, oh, man, excited. for strapping yeah, on you. that uh, co-host hat for this episode. We appreciate you coming on. Why don't you remind everybody how they can find you, the products that you're working on, and where they can go say hi when you're at work. Yeah, so uh, my home base for uh, Magic Kingdom WDW area, I guess, is uh, Disney Springs right now. And um, we're in the Arebus Brothers store behind the Jaredelli store where you can go get your free chocolate. And just uh, on a side note, our uh, World of Disney store opened up two days ago. They finally opened up the second half, so now it's like fully open. I'm still not really sure how I feel about the whole place because it's not really Disney. Like they have Tinkerbell on the very top of the building structure still, but it's 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 it looks like it belongs there, but it's still not really Disney. So I'm kind of still on the edge. But we're right by the Disney Walt, uh, World of Disney store, and uh, they're like four days a week melting glass and making figment lately. That's all I've been doing yes. for like the last three months nonstop because it's uh, God, people are crazy. He looks so good. <laughs> I might as well be making Funko Pops. It feels like sometimes. <laughs> But uh, you can follow my Disney adventures in my glass world uh, at J Michael Glass on Instagram. Uh, my daughter Candice and I's Instagram for our Inspired on Main Street uh, apparel company is at Inspired on Main. And then my podcast that I have, I will say right off the top of the here, it is explicit. Uh, it's a lot of adult content in terms of what we talk about, but it's also just a language that's being used because I talk to a lot of artists that uh, have no filter, which I can appreciate. So. <laughs> Uh, wise guy radio show it's uh, at wise guy underscore radio it's w-y-z is how the the wise is spelt which i hate having to say that but i do still want to say it um, <laughs> and yeah we have like 203 episodes we talk about glass blown and the business inside of things it's kind of a very very niche a niche niche podcast and it's a uh, it's been a, a labor of love and uh, you know sharing the 20 years of glass that i've been doing and the, the knowledge and things i've uh, learned along the way it's fantastic yeah 
If you didn't get a chance to listen to the first episode that Jason was on, head on over to podcasters.com slash 187. That was the first time that he joined us, and he told us a little bit about his love for Disney and where he grew as an artist and how he developed his craft as a glassblower. Head on over, check it out. It was a fantastic episode. Uh, I, I definitely enjoyed it, and, then, and I'm glad that we finally had you on, that we were able to sync this time. Before we end the episode, I want to quickly remind all of you that this episode of Podcateers is brought to you by our fairy godparents. Who are our fairy godparents? They are listeners just like you that help us out monthly via Patreon. They like to call themselves the FGP squad. Why? Because they can, and they're awesome. That's why. FGP in the house. Uh, for as little as $1 a month, you can become part of the FGP squad as well by heading over to podcateers.com slash FGP for more information and a link to sign up. But if you sign up for a contribution of at least $5, you will also get the exclusive Fairy Godparent button as a thank you for your support. Fairy Godparent shirts are going to be available at a higher tier coming very, very soon. Last episode, we announced that the first tier breakdown is going to be coming. If you're at the $1 tier, you will get a birthday shout out as part of being a Fairy Godparent on our Instagram stories. If you're at the $5 tier or more, you will get it in our actual Instagram feed. You'll get uh, a few more perks along with that aside from the button. So more information on those tiers is coming. It's something that we're building, but we want to make sure that we have something good for you guys in return so thank you for being so patient thank you for all of your feedback thank you for all of the messages you guys have been sending me regarding these changes that are coming uh, i appreciate all of your comments i do read them uh, i don't ignore them um, but quick sidebar uh, i screwed up and <gasps> i screwed up because no way yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> think of that happening. Uh, there was a small list of people in October that I didn't get a chance to wish a happy birthday to because huh. last year uh, when I added all of the people, all of our uh, listeners that had signed up for the birthday shout out list on Google Calendar, which is what I was using, I forgot to make one crucial change to setting all of those, and that was to repeat annually. So all the ones that I set for last year didn't pop up in the calendar this year again. And it wasn't until I was looking through it that I realized, oh, no, I forgot like three people's birthdays. So I want to send a very special birthday shout out to listener Desiree, uh, our friend Priscilla, who is out on the East Coast as well. She's a dramatic parrot on youtube she's an amazing artist as well she's she's a disney freak i'll put a link to her youtube channel in the blog post for the episode i'm sorry i i completely flubbed that and uh i hope that uh next year i don't flub this because i went back and i checked every single one and i re-added the uh show me this annually thing in google calendar so uh, sorry <laughs> is all i can really say so we're just gonna uh... move on from there uh, don't worry, guys. I'll talk to him after the show. We'll, we'll make sure this <laughs> never happens again. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. That would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, if you guys want to help the show out in a slightly different way, a great way to do that is if you shop on Amazon, the next time you need to make a purchase, head on over to podcateers.com slash Amazon. Click on the huge Amazon button that's on that page. It'll take you over to Amazon using our special link, and it's not going to cost you anything extra, but what it is going to do is it's going to tell Amazon that you went there because we mentioned them on this podcast, 
and those few extra clicks are going to result in a small commission from Amazon as a thank you because we mentioned them and because you click through. And so to everybody that's taking the time to do that, we really, truly appreciate it. Every little bit helps at the end of the month. Uh, like we talked about earlier, running a podcast is super fun, but it's also not free. And so our fairy godparents and these click throughs on Amazon are super helpful for us. And you guys are helping us keep this podcast alive and growing. So we just want to send a, a big shout out to all of you guys as a thank you. If you guys want to find our personal links, head on over to podcasters.com slash team. You'll find our YouTube channels there as well. YouTube.com slash podcasters and YouTube.com slash Disney for two. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Ring that bell icon for notifications. And uh, if you see anything that you like, make sure that you share it with your friends. If you have a chance, head on over to watch the Scarolers that are in downtown Disney just singing it up, doing a, a fantastic job. If you guys don't know, West Beat Sings is the group that Disney has contracted to be the Scarolers in downtown Disney. Uh, it's a wonderful acapella group. We've seen them a couple of years in a row. I'll post a couple of the videos. They did a Star Wars medley and they did Dead Man's Party last year when I, I filmed mm. for the YouTube channel. We'll put that in the blog post and we'll put up a brand new video that Gavin had a chance to shoot for us uh, over at Downtown Disney this last week. So, yeah, it's it's great. I love that the YouTube channel is growing as well. We have some, some great content on there and we plan on expanding that more too. So... All right, I'm super out of breath, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's 1.30 in the morning over here. So. Yeah, and I don't have beer, but I need one, <laughs> and I'm going to grab one after we are done. Sweet. Enjoy it. All right, guys, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. So until next week, here is to Beer's Cheers and Mickey Ears. Have a fantastic week, everyone. See ya. Made you look. Made you look.